Okay, anytime. Okay. Um, you want to tell them who you're here with? <laughs> Should we do that? Yeah. Okay, we're here with uh, Tom Shepard and Steve Williams. Yes, that's right. Correct. And these right, two right. guys wrote uh, a number one song. Um, how long have you guys been writing together? Probably since about, I think, 2001 or 2002, probably is more like it, right? Good it was after Private Malone, I remember. Good six or seven years. Yeah. Tom, yeah. Uh, Tom I want to ask you about that before I, before I get into this other thing. Um, writing with Private Malone, where did that come from? I know you wrote that with Wood Newton, right? Yeah. Yeah, I had that idea for a, a, a little while before I ever wrote anything on paper. I had that idea kind of in my head. And I wanted to write a song about a car. I've always been a fan of old cars. And one of the stories that I've heard over and over and over again is, you know, the guy that buys the used car and it's in a barn and it's, you know, the lady doesn't know what it's worth and the guy gets it for a steal. And one variation on that story is that, you know, it's for sale because the guy went to Vietnam and didn't come back and it's 30 years later and his mom finally decides to sell it. Or So I had that idea. I thought that would make a cool story but then you know after the guy buys the car what happens you know so one day I was I was thinking about it and I this other story came to mind of about this this guy that I'd read about that bought this used car and thought it was haunted and I thought wow what if it's the car that's a deal it's a guy who's in Vietnam and then the car is haunted too by the guy that owned it and uh, so that all kind of came together and then I went on this trip home to see my dad and we went and visited this guy I used to work for who had my first car still had it uh, it was an old station wagon and uh, while we were there I said well let's go take a look at it and it's all it's not running anymore it's just basically parked down behind his barn so I thought I wonder if I left anything in it so I looked in the glove box and my dad had his old you know like maintenance manuals that he'd get little notebooks with you know like change the oil and the mileage and all that and wow, what if this was a diary? Or what if this was a note that somebody had left? And I thought, oh, I could put that in a song about the guy who buys the car and the car's haunted. And the... So a whole lot of things came together And so for actually that song. Wood Newton didn't write anything. Well, he did. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, yeah. No, the funny thing was I didn't really write any of it down until he and I got together. And then we started just putting it down. And you know what's funny? Unlike other songs I've written, we just kind of wrote that like a poem almost. Like... Well, that's without what it any. Is. It's, it's a vignette. Is yeah. What it is. So it's uh, mm -hmm. well, Here's 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 my next question that comes in with that, and that is, it was a number one record for you with David Ball. Yeah. Does it matter to you, in any way, or do you think about it that it became a number one record really on the heels of nine one one, and that's one of the reasons that it became that it that it actually got played, which is awesome. It's a great song. Yeah. But it, without nine one one, it would have been. Yeah, it might have been it tough for it. Would have been lost in the shuffle. Well, I don't know. You know, the the cool thing about it was it came out three weeks before nine eleven, so we got to see how the reaction was before. I mean, post nine eleven, everybody was hearing it flipping out. Everybody was on the bandwagon and going, "Oh, this is the perfect timing for this song." And had all these people going, "I want to write a patriotic song with you." They're like, well, we didn't really. I think we were writing a patriotic song when we wrote that, you know. But in the three weeks before 9-11 happened, the reaction to it at radio was unbelievable. I mean, uh, we were getting talking to 
DJs all over the country that were telling us <clears throat> we played this song and our phone just did not stop ringing. Well, it's a great song. So, it's just you know it's just a David Bowie. Yeah. I mean in all in all oh, you know, well, actuality yeah. David Bowie had not had a hit in uh, seven years. Several several years. Yeah. 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 So so it was, it was uh, really the the I think nine eleven took it to a much wider audience than it might have got. But I think it would have done pretty well on its own. But nine eleven the timing of that just really took it farther than for a little small independent label to be up there in the at number one, you know, competing with people like Toby Keith and people on really huge labels, uh, it's a really a, a great thing, and it's it's really, a, it as a writer, it makes me feel good to know that it's the strength of the song that really took it to where it was. I feel like it's the strength of the song that really. Well, it's an you awesome know. song. Oh, thank do you, you. Do you play? Um, do you, Do you usually write words and music together? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, that that song, like I said, we kind of wrote the words first, and then kind of wrap the melody around it and if you if you take that song apart and look at it the chords don't change in the same place and technically it's all over the map you know but who knows but it doesn't matter but you don't notice because it's the story that mm-hmm. it's the story that and the average person you know, gets your doesn't attention. know anyway look at me you're right well <laughs> yeah. Yeah. don't look at me uh, yeah. so, so enter song. steve now because i don't want him to sit there uh you yeah, know doing no. nothing or anything yeah. And here Tom Shepard's show here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I discovered Steve well, Williams. Well, I then know, I discovered I Steve Williams and got his career started. So, <laughs> so I'm going to guess you guys have been friends for a long time, though, because you seem to you seem to meld together. That way. yeah. It, well, Tom and I didn't know each other back in St. Louis, but we're both from the St. Louis, Missouri area. And he's a little bit younger than I am, but like we said tonight on stage, had we known each other, we could have gotten a lot of trouble back then. Yeah. Yeah. But uh. So, you know, I think growing up in the same area, it, you know, we're a little bit alike in that way. You know, we have some of the same interests, hung out in some of the same places. Yeah. The Mississippi River. Yeah. Uh, well, did you know each other before you came here? No, no. We didn't meet until... Uh, no, 2002. So, yeah. yeah, when we met in 2002 and started writing together, we didn't know until we started writing together that we were from we're both from St. Louis. And, and with every song we write, it's funny, like little more more nuggets yeah. of information go, oh yeah, that, like the song we wrote, Miss That yeah. Mississippi. We wrote that one uh, last yeah. year and, and just uh, it, more stuff spilled out. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we went there too. You know, yeah, that's we'll see. Thing. Well, like Re- Redneck Yacht Club. Uh, I'm getting to it. <laughs> nice segue or whatever. But uh, that, that song, he was talking about, they didn't know they wrote a patriotic song. We wrote Redneck Yacht Club. We didn't realize that we'd written a song about, you know, every party cove across the United States. You know, there's a part. We just thought we were just writing it about our own experiences, you know, and out of party cove. And and then, you know, after it became a hit, people started coming up to us and saying, "That's my song. That's us. That's what we yeah. do." You know, it was amazing what a chord it did strike in people. Yeah, considering that, you know, I mean. When, when you say redneck, it's almost derogatory yeah. in a lot of places, you know, and then and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, everybody was a redneck. <laughs> yeah, it's something that's, I think it's a, something everybody wants to be a part of. I was at, I was yeah. going through the line at Arby's today, and I had to pull over because oh, yeah. they didn't have the one thing, and I had to wait, and the girl come out, you know, and I have it on the back of my truck. It says Redneck Yacht Club, and she comes to the window, and she goes, I want two tickets to the club. Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you hook me up? Yeah, just, just tell her it's, it's a state of mind. It's not really yeah. a place. It's, you know, 
She seemed kind of disappointed when I told her that. Yeah, yeah. Did you yeah. ask her if the food was free first? So, yeah. <laughs> I but I told so. this story the other night at a writer's night. Uh, when we when we first uh, moved to Nashville, my wife and I lived in Laverne, lived across the street from the lake, and we could see the lake from our house. And every day she'd say, we got to get a boat someday. One of these days we got to get a boat. And I said, we can't afford it. We don't have enough money. And, and uh, so finally we got this boat. We bought it for $3,000 and got it down from Missouri brought it down from Missouri and it my wife calls it a piece of poop because it broke down on us all the time you know and we I remember us being out there in the lake every weekend going help we're stranded over here come and get us you know? and uh, and you know one day we were sitting out there and just watching all the people going by I said I said this is like a redneck yacht club you know and and uh, of course I wrote it down tried to write all my ideas down and and then uh, one day I was uh, going to write like I do every day, and my wife asked me, who are you writing with today? And I said, Tom Shepard. She said, he'd be a good one to write that Redneck Yacht Club idea with. So the rest is history. Yeah. I guess she's saying something about you. Yeah. Well, that's So since then, um, <laughs> I was out there another particular day, and there's the Water Patrol out there. They call it it's the TWRA, the Tennessee Wildlife Patrol. Uh, and and so we're we're out there and I, they're they're going by like they always do from Elm Hill Marina out to Party Cove you know putting out fires or babysitting drunk people or whatever you know and and uh, and it just struck me the light bulb went off and I said Tennessee wildlife boy that'd be a good song it's his job you can't blame him he's only trying to tame that Tennessee wildlife you know and and I said and I know just the guy to write it. With. Yeah. <laughs> We went there once before and it worked, so yeah, let's yeah. go there again. So and how did you guys get that to uh, Craig Morgan? Oh, we know his Redneck Yacht Club. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, well, Steve was Steve's the reason that uh, Redneck Yacht Club got to Craig. You tell yeah, us I was, on, I was on the the road with him. I was on the road with Sheree Austin at the time, and I played in her band. She was on Broken Bow at the time with Craig. I remember you being there. Yeah. And so we, they put us on a radio tour, and they said they didn't want Craig's whole band. They didn't want Cherie's whole band. They just wanted uh, an acoustic player and maybe uh, someone else, you know, a couple of vocalists. So he took two people, and she took two. And so we just hung out on the bus, all of us, and went, went up and down the East Coast and up and down the West Coast. And uh, I saw Craig and Phil O'Donnell, his producer at the time, I saw them... Uh, you know, kind of rummaging around one morning, you know, drinking coffee and going back and forth inside the hotel and back on the bus, and they were trying to receive a fax for a song. And it turned out they were having trouble getting the fax to this particular song, but it was, uh, that's what I love about Sunday was the song. Hmm. It turned out, and I didn't know it at the time, but, and I thought, hey, they're, they're, they're trying to gather songs for this new record. I said, I got my computer here, I got my CDs. I said, I'm pitching Redneck Yacht Club, and... I put four or five others on there as well. And um, that's the only one. That, I mean, he liked two or three others, but that's the one that stuck. So, you know. Yeah, so the right place at the right time. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and, definitely. And it, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing that, uh, that it did stick because, you know, I, I think it was, uh, it was kind of a bold thing for, statement for Craig to make. I think he was a little nervous at first do, doing the redneck thing, you know. I don't it's, know if he wanted to be known as the redneck guy, you know. But uh, it turned out great for him. Yeah. <laughs> Too late now, yeah. Yeah. The way, the way I feel about it is, yeah. you know, you see the, the, the rappers and the guys like that. I mean, they go there. They go, hey, yeah. we're from the hood and everything. Like, hey, we're we're country. We, don't um, ever come we're rednecks, out of that. man. Come on. Yeah. They, don't, they don't ever come out of that. 
You know, right. That's, you know, that's the whole thing. This is where this is where they sit. This is where it's at. Whereas the redneck thing is a. Well, the great. Know, I think the great thing about it is a lot of people can. It's like the Jeff Foxworthy things. You might be a redneck if you might be a really successful person, but if you've ever done one of those ignorant things he's talking about, you go, "Oh yeah, I'm a redneck kind of at heart because yeah. I've done one of those embarrassing things." Who you know? <laughs> so anybody can I'm be a, a redneck. Kid and I've done it. It doesn't matter. They, you know, our friend yeah. that's uh, one of the guys down at the boat dock that's got the biggest boat out there, the most expensive boats out there. He's as redneck as you can get, isn't he? Yeah, we wrote the song back uh, <laughs> in late 2003, and that was before Redneck Woman was out on the radio, and I think the only Redneck songs I knew of was uh, White Socks and Blue Ribbon Beer. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, uh, and Redneck, uh, Redneck Girl. Girl. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it had been a long time since that yeah. sort of thing was, so we, we were kind of reluctant to it's write it. It's funny, and they were always big hits. Yeah. Yeah, but then we when we started writing the song, we said we don't care if anybody cuts it or not. Let's just go ahead and write it. We're having so yeah. much fun doing it, so that's how it happened. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, and now it's turned into. I mean, we it's, realized it's an anthem. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and uh, and we thought, well, you know, maybe we should make some T-shirts up that say it. And yeah. so we did that. It started selling them online, and <laughs> and that's done pretty well. And we now yeah. this year we've gone to a couple of boat shows uh, and done that. We uh, had a booth last year at CMA yeah. Music Festival. It's funny. Yeah, we started this whole thing with the, the the term Redneck Yacht Club, and you know it's funny to see people at the boat shows. Sometimes they'll be walking by our booth and they'll see Redneck Yacht Club and. You see him checking us out, and a couple people will stop and go, "Redneck Yacht Club, huh? You ought to see the real Redneck Yacht Club out at Old Hickory Lake." Yeah, we're oh, at, yeah. You know. yeah, they're proud. And, you know, they they had no idea that we wrote the song or whatever. They just think we're out there just kind of selling stuff or something. <laughs> capitalizing on yeah. somebody's idea or whatever. You know. That's hysterical. Yeah, <laughs> and then there's other yeah. people that walk by and go, "Yeah, Redneck Yacht Club, where's that?" Yeah. What is it? They had never or, even heard it. One old guy came by and he goes, Redneck Yacht Club. He stood, stared at that sign for 10 minutes and he goes, those two words don't go together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said, you think? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we well, had a lot, a lot of fun at the boat shows, though. I, yeah. I can imagine, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll have to hit the Nashville boat boat. Um, yeah, we'll be there next time. And see yeah, they only do them in the winter time, you know, because when it's yeah. nice out, people are out on the water. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right, Tom, let's get serious. Okay. Um, I, I don't know if your career almost came to a standstill or what, but you were you were diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, I've had it twice. Yeah. Yeah, in two thousand four, um, I found out I had testicular cancer, and I had surgery done, and I had to have about a month's worth of radiation, and. Uh, and it made me feel a little, little rough, but I mean, you know, I mean, I still went to work every day. I still went to write songs. I, I had a gig down at Legends Corner during that time that I kept doing, and I did a demo session during that time. I mean, all through that time, I said, I'm not going to let this slow me down. I'm just go right on through. So That's one of the worst kinds you can have, too. Yeah, well, it's really rapid. I mean, it, it can really move rapidly if you don't take care of it. So I went to the doctor on like a Tuesday, and Thursday I was in having the surgery done. So I went and had radiation. They said, it's just a precaution. You know, you'd probably be fine. So did it. Everything was fine. And one year later, I uh, went to the doctor. As a matter of fact, it was two days after our number one party. So we had like the best week of, it was the best week and the worst week. It's two days later, I went to the doctor just for my, you know, one year follow-up. And they said, well, 
looks like you've got it in a couple spots in your lymph nodes. So that took a little more serious treatment. I had to have chemotherapy, and that was for nine weeks. And um, so, yeah, it kind of took off a couple of months. And I had just signed with Sony at the time as a songwriter when it happened, and they were really nice about it. They said, hey, just get through it, come back, you know, whenever you you know, whenever you get over it, just come on back. So I came back, and the first thing I did when I came back was I wrote a song with uh, Gary Hannon and Phil O'Donnell and Eddie Montgomery, and Montgomery Gentry cut it. So within two weeks of coming back from being gone for a few months, I had a Montgomery Gentry cut out of out of the blue. So I, I took that as a sign that I'm supposed to be doing this. Yeah. Did, did that um, whole experience affect your songwriting at all? Ah, uh, you know, whatever you go through because ends up you in your song. You still do various like like Djibouti. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, I guess it's made me write a few more songs that are maybe a little heavier, you know. But, uh, but uh, I don't. It just really makes me thankful, you know. And we wrote I, one. Know, we wrote one one day. He and I called "Whistling Past the Graveyard." Yeah. And yeah, uh, that's that about that. Yeah. Apropos. Yeah, it's it's. You know, it's those songs that come from a real place. They're the ones that really matter, I think. Yeah. And I think, if anything, you know, going through that, what it's done is it's sort of mellowed me out a little bit. You know, I've been I've been in Nashville now for 15 years, and I think for the first, I don't know, the first, at least the first 10 years, I always seem to be gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta get it done, gotta impress this person, gotta get this happening, gotta do this. And after going through cancer and stuff like that, it really kind of made me go, you know what? If I don't get it done today, we'll do it tomorrow. If this yeah. song ain't right today, we'll get it done next week. I now just wanted to be right. It's now he only goes out five nights a week, you know. Yeah, instead of be. seven. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I mean, I'm still pretty active and stuff. Well, you guys, but you guys you know. still do the writers' nights, uh-huh. which is uh, yeah, occasionally. Occasionally, I, mean, I used to do that constantly though. I used to go yeah. out all the time to writers' nights. Gosh, three, four times a week, and I guess I just kind of got burned out on it, but. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a. It's nice now to go out and do it uh, every once in a while, and uh, and it's so nice to go do it when you've had a couple of hit songs too, mm-hmm. to that you can play. Um, yeah, we're doing some rep, some redneck yacht club gigs this summer too, with he and I and a band. Yeah, and we're doing songs off our CD, uh, songs from the redneck yacht club, available at iTunes. You have definitely joined the internet uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. generation. So that and that's what we did tonight at On the Rocks, um, songs from our CD, and and that, it's fun to do that, you know. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. always fun to go out and play new songs that you've written and test them out. But this thing that we have is more of a party atmosphere. We do fun songs. Yeah. It's kind of like a theme. Yeah. Kind of like a theme, I guess. You know, but but it is fun. You know, we're kind of getting our stage banter down, I think. Drinking you know? and dying. <laughs> yeah, a song called Drinking and Dying. I ain't as think as you drunk I am. Yeah. Miss that That's Mississippi. That's got to be tough to, uh, yeah. to sing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little tongue twister. You have to practice. <laughs> but, yeah, it's great. It's great. We love it. And, and uh, it's always great to get it. It's just so great to have people interested in what you're creating, you know. Yeah. And you do a lot of stuff for the troops too. Have you have you also gone, Steve? I've gone on USO tours, but I haven't gone on one with Tom. Yeah, they're they're just the best. I've been on seven tours for Armed Forces, uh, yeah. three in three in Alaska, and then four overseas. And I just found out today I'm going to Korea. Oh, uh, with good. Sheree Austin, great in, uh, in July. So 
Oh, I know USA. somebody else who's going on that. I too, I can't. I, I forgot who it is, but some, someone just told me. Uh, Will Ramble's going with us, and uh, me and Cherie Austin. So we're playing for the troops over there. Yeah, so it's great. It's uh, such a good experience playing for those folks. You know, they appreciate it so much. They're just so glad to see it. And uh, a lot of times I've done it, they go, hey, "Why are you here?" You say, "Well, we come here to play for you." And they're like, well, "Why us?" We're like, "Why you?" Because mm -hmm. y'all are out here. <laughs> You know, doing it so we don't have to, you know, and and they're like, ah, we don't deserve this, you know. We're like, yeah, yeah, you do. Mm -hmm. So it's really a great thing. It ends up being they go, oh, you guys are great. And we're like, no, you guys are great. They're like, no, you're great. No, you're great. But we love it. Everybody, we love doing it. We love getting to play, and it, it just, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's just a great feeling to know that you're supporting them, you know, somehow and. And I, and I also seen on those trips, like we went to the Middle East last year, I saw on that trip especially how, you know, when your kids or whatever make up cards or letters or something to send to soldiers and you never know what happens to them. Well, when we went to the Middle East, at every place we stayed, those cards and letters and little drawings that kids sent, they're posted everywhere. And, uh, and the soldiers really, um, uh, they love it. They eat it up. They're so glad to have anything from home. It's just... Uh, it's a great thing to, to see it firsthand and see the reaction to it. Well, guys, um, I, I can't wait to hear what's coming next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can't tell you. Yeah. But we can tell you, but then, you I'm know. I'm going to wrap this up because I know your wife is going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I know Tom could probably talk to me another hour. Yeah. <laughs> I'll shut up now. <laughs> no, you don't have to. Thank you very much. Thank Tom you. Thank you. Shepard Steve Williams. Thank you so much. Thanks.